Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Well, we're having fun. We're in the middle of a series, teaching series, See Yourself Here. How many have been enjoying it so far? I've been enjoying it real good. So we started out on C, because you got to see, right? He said in Isaiah chapter 48, he said, I want you to behold. I want you to pay attention. I want you to look. Behold, he said, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Excuse me. Do you not perceive it? Perceive it. So, see, seeing is less to do with the apparatus that actually sees the light and the reflections, but that sends information to your brain. And seeing is a product of your brain, as we saw with pictures, that not everybody sees the same thing because your seeing is determined by an awful lot more than just what's actually there. It goes through a filter of your experience and all kinds of other things. And seeing is really something, it's a discipline that you need to see and you need to see well. And perceive is where you see, not just see and observe, but you understand and you get wisdom and revelation of what it is you're seeing. So God wants you to see that way. He wants you to perceive. He wants you to understand. So you need to see. We talked about removing obstacles to seeing. And then we're here in, in John chapter one, because it was John the Baptist who said, behold, the Lamb of God. He wanted you to see. He wanted you to see him. And so he's saying, behold, the Lamb of God. So we saw that it's not just seeing, but he wants you to see something. We want you to to see Jesus. The most important thing in your life is what you think about God. That's the most important thing about you right now is what you think about God. And John was a forerunner. He said, I want you to see Jesus. And John described Jesus to us. And he said, he was a man. He totally identified with you, but he's also the son of God. And I testify to you that he is. But he also said he is the lamb of God, God's lamb, not, not your lamb, not the lamb you brought for your sin, but God came and dealt with sin once and for all. God's lamb, Jesus was the final once and for all sacrifice to take away the sin of the whole world. And not only that, but he was the baptizer, that he was the one who would come and Jesus would then that set free from sin, born again, that, that, that cleansed temple could then be flooded and baptized with the Holy Ghost. So you need to see clearly. You need to see him. You need to know him completely because he's the one who will remove every objectionable thing in your life and unite you with your father and he will then flood you and fill you with the very nature of God himself. So you need to see that. You need to see him. You need to see that. But then I love it because Zach preached last week some good stuff. Some good stuff, good stuff. But see, you need to realize that it's okay that Jesus is going to see you. He's going to fully see you. He sees you right now. And, you know, we don't have to be afraid to be vulnerable and say, God, see me and know me. Because he sees the real you. He sees the real thing. And I love when Zach said, look to the rock from whence you were hewn. Look to the rock. As he said, Peter, you're, you're a reed blowing in the wind, but you shall be a rock. You shall be Petros. You shall be that fixed thing. But it says we are a chip off the old block. 
we are a part of him. We are one nature with God himself. And you need to look at him. You need to look to Jesus. You need to, and he will see you. And what's beautiful about that is when you get that revelation, you then get a revelation of who you really are in Christ. Ain't it good? See yourself here. Remember Gideon in the, in the Old Testament, one of the judges, and he was there. He was trying to get a biscuit in a wine press. You know, you're supposed to get biscuits at a, at, a, at a mill, at a grind, but there he was in a wine press trying to make a biscuit because he was afraid. But there he was afraid, and then, you know, the Lord shows up and says, you mighty man of valor, you courageous man, you mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, what are you talking about? He said, man, I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. He said, that's not who you are. You know, you might think I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. That's not who you are. There was something in eternity that God wanted to manifest right now. There was an aspect of his very nature, something that God wanted to grace and manifest and express himself through. And God took that from eternity and he wrapped it in you in flesh and blood. And he is manifesting his nature, his purpose in and through you. And you are great. You are powerful and you are mighty. And God is using you to do incredible exploits. Those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen. So that's good. So that's where we are. We're, we're at a place where you're seeing and you're seeing yourself. Does anybody not see yourself as mighty in God? Is there anyone who has an image of yourself that is other than what God sees? You need to know that you are big, you are bold, you are powerful, and you are created for good things. And there is nothing too hard for you, and God is for you. There can be nothing against you, but you're powerful in every situation to overcome and manifest and empower and demonstrate the very nature of God. Amen. I get myself excited. Because he's good. Isn't he good? He is good, good, good. All right. So John chapter 1, verse 38, we want to talk about seeing yourself here, here. Then Jesus turned and he saw them following and he said to them, what do you seek? What, what is it you're seeking after? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. He said, they said, where are you staying? Say staying. Turn to your neighbor, say staying. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're my second choice. <laughs> staying. Where are you staying? Say staying. We want to know where you're staying. And he said to them, come and see. Come and see. See, we want to abide with him. We don't want to have a visitation relationship. We don't want to pop in and out with God, but we want him to abide. That word staying is the same word that he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. It's the same word that I might dwell, that you will dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Staying, where are you staying? Because we don't want to just visit God. We want to have that every moment abiding expression of his life and his presence. Amen. Where are you staying? He said, come and see. And they went and saw where he was staying and they remained with him. Say remained. They remained with him that day. Amen. How many know what a hashtag is? How many know how to use a hashtag on social media? How many people gave up social media in 2020 so you can see straight? Anti-social media, that's what I call it. Get stuck in crazy places. But there is such a thing as hashtags. You know, I like to mess around with hashtags. Because you can, if you have a hashtag, like we have a hashtag, it's called hashtag Impact Church LDN. Hashtag Impact Church LDN. Now, you're allowed to fact check me while I'm preaching, it's okay. But 
if you went to our, uh, if you went to your own, you went to your own Twitter or you went to your own uh, uh, Instagram or Facebook, and you put in search hashtag Impact Church LDN, all kinds of pictures and comments would pop up from people in your church. It's absolutely true. Maybe even some from today. So if you want to know more about London and, and get social media stuff about this church, you just go hashtag Impact Church LDN and boop, 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 boop. all these pictures and comments and things pop up. And you should do it too, only if you're going to put good stuff. Don't trash us. You know, go to Google and give us a five star. You know what I mean? But sometimes I like to look at other hashtags. And so I was looking at this other one called hashtag worst dates ever. Worst first dates, sorry. Worst first dates. Hashtag, I should do ever. I should check that out. Here's a couple, just for fun, all right? He went to the bathroom. He was done. He was gone. Sorry, the G. It's a G. He was gone for a really long time. Then he texted me, you should just get an Uber. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But you know what? Every time I see it, it's funny. Every time I see it, I see it. He went to the bathroom, and he's gone for a really long time, and then he texted me, you should just call an Uber. I don't know. I don't know if it was just a bad date, and that was his way of an easy brush off, or if something else. Anyways, I'll give you another one. Hashtag worst first days. He told me he wanted to take me to one of his favorite places, so I dressed up, and it was Bass Pro Shop. You ever been to Bass Pro Shop? Who loves Bass Pro Shop? Love, wish there was one closer, don't you? So good. You know, who, who wouldn't have thought that that could be it? But imagine her getting all dolled up, high heels, the whole thing, and then Bass Pro Shop, you know? Want to try on these big rubber boots? No, thank you. All right, one more, just one more, just for fun. <clears throat> At the end of the night, he leaned in to kiss me, and he said, don't be concerned if my tooth falls out. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. You know, okay, let's give another slide just for those of you. You know, relationships, all those things, it's all about see yourself here. What we're talking about is relationships. And sometimes first dates are about people trying to connect with people and do things. And sometimes it doesn't go well. Amen? My first date with my wife, it was at a restaurant called Lock 19. And it was a restaurant right beside Lock 19. And you know what we did for five hours? We just stared at each other. It was, it was five hours of just, hey, I think the guy was, you need another coffee? I kept coming by and we were just like, and she was staring, I could tell she was saying, I can't believe he's my guy. And just, just over and over again. So our first date was awesome. Can't remember what we ate or anything else, but I can remember that woman staring back at me going, you're pretty awesome. <laughs> so cute. I was like, okay. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and the Lord said, it's not good. Say, not good. See, God created everything, and he said, it's good. On the sixth day, he created man. He said, it's very good, and then he rested, all right? He rested. Say, one. Say, two. What comes after one? Two. So this was later on. Here we are. We're after that. The Lord says, after he said, everything is good, and after he said, I created everything, is very good, and I'm resting from my creating, he then said, not good. What do you mean not good? What you, what's going on with that? What do you mean not good? Well, he said it's not good that man should be alone. Say alone. Say lonely. They're not the same word. Who meets all your needs? All your needs. I mean, all, like even for fellowship, for satisfaction, for like conversation. I mean, all? God, 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 God. God meets all those needs. Every one of those needs. So if you are lonely in the presence of God, 
He's not meeting all your needs. God wouldn't hold out on you. God, God fully, absolutely, totally meets every single need in your life. And until you understand that, you're not about to be helpful to anybody else because you're going to be taking from people because you're needy. But when all your needs are met in Christ, you are finally ready to totally, fully, without any ulterior motives, just absolutely serve and love somebody else because all my needs are met. I'm satisfied in Christ. It's enough. So what's he saying then? He's not saying he was lonely. But he's saying there's something else that we could do to make this better. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper comparable. Helper, easer, strong help, helper, easer. God is my helper. Same word, easer. God is your helper. Isn't that amazing that God is your helper? He is my helper. He's an ever-present easer in a time of trouble. God is your helper all the time, and it's a helper comparable. So it's not a subordinate, but it's someone helpful, strong, powerful. Like when God calls himself easer, he's not subordinate to us. He's not less than. So woman wasn't less than man. It was somebody absolutely comparable to and a helper, as in front of a perfect match of the same nature. So God literally said, and where did woman come from? Well, God just created her and brought, no, she was taken out of man. So man, when he was created, he was them and then Adam was able to recreate. If he wasn't able to recreate on his own, be fruitful and multiply, was a nasty command to give somebody who had no chance to do it. But he did. But God took woman out of man. And why did he do that? Because he wanted to confront man with something just like himself. See, man could hang out with God, could go swimming, go horseback riding, you know, run through the field, and he'd wake up. You know, woman's taken out of him, and when woman was taken out of man, you know what the first thing he said was? Wow, man. That's pretty awesome. Anyway, just, uh, Deborah got that. That was good. That's where woman comes from, right? But she came out of man. So man woke up. I don't know if he felt kind of, whoa, something's changed. But he's now confronted with something just like himself. And now you have an opportunity. Hey, going to go ride a horse today. Well, I think we should run through the meadow in the flowers. Very first time I'm confronted with, do I do what she wants to do or do I do what I want to do? Very first time. Very first time I've got to make a choice to do I do what somebody else wants to do or do I say, hey, horseback riding it is. Well, you can go horseback riding, but have a nice life. You know what? God was never hard to get along with like you. I mean, even when the fall happened and, you know, she says it was the snake. And then he says, it's the woman that you gave me. A lot of blame and a lot of shame and a lot of stuff going on. But you see, when you're confronted with somebody just like you, that you really love, it is a part of your world. Sometimes they have different desires, different things. They have different opinions. They have different ways of looking at things. And then you've got to decide at that moment, am I still going to hang out with this person? You're challenged for the first time, am I going to love? Am I going to care? Am I going to serve somebody who's really different than me? Does anybody hang out with anybody different than they are? I try not to. <laughs> like, I only hang out with people who think like me, look just like me, do just my stuff. That would be hopeless, wouldn't it? That's why we have so many party spirits in the world today. Everybody pulls to their own tribe. Well, I wouldn't hang out with them. Why? And we all pull into our own tribe. And that tribalism today is crushing the, the, the fabric of our world because everybody is hanging out with who I agree with and we lob bombs of hatred everywhere else and nobody gets along. In the kingdom, that's not the way it is. And when you see, and when you see yourself, then you can see yourself here. Not here, like Impact Church is the only place, but you're really only going to fully see yourself, be the real, full of person that you are created to be, is when you do it in community. Say community. That's what here is all about. 
It's about loving, sacrificially serving because all your needs are met. Getting into places where you can love somebody else without expecting anything in return and just serve that person with the love of God. Amen. Give me another slide. Boom. Acts 2.47, it says, when you, right away, right at the start, whenever somebody came into the kingdom, here's what happened. You ready? And the Lord, say Lord. What happened? The Lord added to the church. Daily, those who are being saved. So when you came to Jesus, you know what happens when you come to Jesus? He puts you in community. He puts you in community. He fixes you. He establishes you. He places you in the body of Christ. Amen. Oh, I don't believe in church. I am the church. Well, you can't be the church. The church, by definition, is a community of called out people. So you're not the church as an individual. You're not church until you connect with somebody else. Then you might be having church. But God fixes you and fits you perfectly where he wants you in the body of Christ. Give me another verse. John 17, 23. I and them and you and me that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as, as you have loved them as you have loved me. So God is saying, Jesus is saying, I'm finished. I did everything. It's high priestly prayer. I did all you wanted me to do. Now, Father, here's what I want. And here's what we want. What we want is that they can be one in us. What we want is that these people, the fall affected mankind. What we want is a restoration of the body of Christ. We want a restoration of church. We want a restoration of the called out community. We want family. We want sons and daughters, not just restored into a community, but restored into a community with the Trinity, with the Godhead itself. He wants us to be one with him. And what's the world going to see? The world's going to see an expression of our oneness with Christ, an expression of our love, an expression of community that is pure and is free and is powerful and is self-giving love. That's what God wants. And that's why you need to see, and you need to see yourself, but you're never going to fully see yourself and be fully brought to fullness and maturity if you don't see yourself here in a community, in a community. So give me another verse. All right, Ephesians 4, 16, New Living Translation says, He, who is he? It's Jesus. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He does it. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So he places you in the body, perfectly fits you in the body, and then you begin to function out of freedom, out of identity. You begin to realize your giftings, your uniqueness, your qualities, but not to isolate yourself to your uniqueness, but to allow your uniqueness to be used to share, to serve, to bless, and be who you are in community because the only way all of us get to grow up in the love of God is as every joint supplies and as every person does what he's called to do. So you got to see and you got to really clearly see yourself but then you got to see yourself in community because that's how we're going to come to health and a full expression of the love of God. Going to get an amen. All right, give me another verse. Boom. Ephesians again. Church. Ephesians all about church. God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent what is his intention? What was the intention of God? He created everything through Jesus Christ. Jesus is preeminent over all things, all created by him, through him, for him, and it all returns to him. Jesus, he, what did he do? God created all things through Jesus Christ. Why? What was his intention of doing that? So that the manifold wisdom, the multifaceted revelation of God himself, he did all of this so that his wisdom might be made known by the church. God is going to communicate to a rebellious cosmos. 
He's going to rebuild, manifest himself to a world that went wildly wrong. And God created us, and he's brought us together as a redeemed community so that through this redeemed community, he can speak to the whole cosmos, look at my wisdom, look at my grace, look at who I am. The church, this community, you seeing, you seeing yourself and you seeing yourself here is the eternal purpose of God and his intention to put you in a place to fit you perfectly so that you can manifest what he's called you to do, his nature, his giftings, his callings, so that he can fulfill his work to bring the whole cosmos under subjection to his reign and his rule. And we are the sole agency that he has chosen by his own eternal purpose. The church is the eternal purpose of God to do that. So you got to see, you got to see yourself and you got to see yourself here. Give me another verse. Boom. This actually is the Grant and Gluck. Grant and Gluck study. You can look it up. You can Google it right now. Don't have to, but you can. That was the Grant and Gluck study, a 75-year study. They did a study. They tracked physical and emotional well-being of two populations, 456 poor men who grew up in Boston and also 268 male graduates who graduated from 1939 to 1944 from Harvard. So two very vastly different groups of people as far as nurture goes, as far as where they were and, and what opportunities were before them. So they studied these groups of people and they studied them because they wanted to find out what happened. They were looking for what was the quality of life that these people experienced. A 75-year study wrapped up in 2014. Don't you want to know what their main conclusion was? Don't you? Don't you? Does anybody want to know what their main conclusion was? Here it is. The conclusion. Robert Waldinger, director of Harvard Study for Adult Development, said, the clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Period. 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 Relationships. You know, God is relational, highly relational. Jesus was highly relational. And he created us to be relational. And he wants us to be in living, breathing, working, manifesting, powerful relationships. And this study of mankind manifests that good relationships are what keeps you happy, healthy, period. Amazing. All the things they could have concluded this was the conclusion they came to of a 75-year study of people from various backgrounds that good relationships is the key to a good life church church well i go to church not a lot of good relationships there shouldn't be should be the most beautiful expression of a union that ever existed because our unity is not just with each other it's with god himself it's not, we've been lifted into. He didn't come down so that he could identify with our mess. He came down to pick us up and to place us in him. And there is a community. It is the Trinity, the most beautiful community of all. And in that community, there should be a great manifestation of absolute beauty, love, and peace. It should be the most glorious demonstration of goodness and grace that exists. And everybody should say, Wow, take me to your leader, because what you folks are doing, that's real, authentic life. Got two amens over here? Do I get an amen over here? Can I get one over there? 
All right, let's go. Let's go. Say, let's go, Pastor. Many people think that Christianity is a belief system, but it's not. It's a belong system. Where there are beliefs, we have beliefs. There is orthodoxy that we have right belief. But God didn't want us to rightly believe. He came so that we could rightly belong. See, he didn't come down to try to give you a, a, a diploma. He came down to make you a new creature. He came down so that you could be born again. You didn't have a behavior problem. You had a birth problem. You were born subject to sin. And you needed a, a change of nature. And so God came down. And because you believe in him, simply believe in him, he makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you see, belonging is the biggest part of this whole equation. And you belong. This is, this, by this will all people know that you are my disciples because you all agree with the same doctrine. It's not what it says. It says, by this all men, all, you know what all means? I looked up all. You know what it means? All. By this, by what, by what, pastor, will all men know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ? By what, pastor? By this, the way you love one another. Our love for one another is the clearest manifestation that we are children of God. Amen. And we are children of God. And I'm not saying you better do this to prove you are. You should do this because you are. You don't have to do it to prove it. You should do it because it's true. You should do it because God has done it. 59 one another commands in the Bible, and 21 of them involve agape, self-giving, serving love. 1 Peter 3, 8, love one another deeply from the heart. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be pretty awesome, but not a lover of people. No, that's not what it says. You know what it says? You'd be nothing. Say nothing. This afternoon, there's somebody in town that is going to move Bowler Mountain from the southwest to the northeast this afternoon. That person is in town on one, one engagement only. They're going to move Bowler Mountain closer to my house. Wouldn't that be awesome? Who wants to go see that? You know, the Bible says if you could move Bowler Mountain but you didn't have love, you're nothing. Now, I would think moving Bowler Mountain would be pretty cool. But you know what God says? Zip. Zilch. Doesn't even register in eternity. And yet some people think what the church really needs is church needs miracles and powerful demonstrations of the power of God. You know what God says is the most powerful thing? He said, let me show you a more excellent way. You know what the more excellent way is? You know what really is a great miracle? When we put aside who we are and we actually selflessly choose to serve somebody else. When we put down our selfishness and we join community and we join community with the intention that I am here to serve every single person. I'm here to esteem above myself every other person in the room. When I walk in the room, I don't go, hey, aren't you glad I'm here? <laughs> when I walk in the room, you barely knew I was there, except somebody got touched, somebody got served, somebody got blessed. Somebody felt better about themselves. Hello. Hello. Let me know that you're still with me. African Proverbs said, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. 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 Say others. That's real true faith. That's true Christianity is others. When you selflessly love other people. Dr. Dean Ornish. It's the Ornish Lifestyle Medicine. You can look up his website and he's got a bunch of articles there and things. But he talked about love and intimacy. And he said, love and intimacy and our ability to connect with ourselves our ability to connect with ourselves, see yourself, our ability to connect with ourselves and others is the root of what make, which makes us sick or makes us well. 
People who feel lonely and isolated have a 300 to 500% greater risk of premature death due to illness. That's, that's a doctor's study of just people. People who connect properly. People who connect well. People who have love and who have intimacy. Amen. You know, it's all about us connecting well. And you know why relationships are good? Because you get a chance to get some stuff knocked off of your life. You know, I don't do this much. I actually don't even know how the washing machine works. I found out where it is in the house, but that's about all I know about it. But my wife tells me, if you wash one pair of underwear, it will get clean. But she said, if you wash 10 pairs, it'll get cleaner. And I went, really? And I went, how do you know that? She said, it's the friction. It's them working against each other. It's the fact that they're bouncing around with each other, that one on its own, it'll get clean. But it'll get way cleaner if they get to bounce off each other. <laughs> and you know, we get to come to church and bounce off each other. Well, I wish they'd all think like I do. Well, I'm glad they don't. Because we all want to pull to our huddle. I want to find people who think just like me. Well, that's the problem with society today. And that's why we have people lobbing bombs at other people. I hate you. I hate you. All kinds of isms and racism and tribalism and crazy things go on in our world. But the church should be the place where that is broken. And people see free, open, authentic, loving relationships. Amen. Can I get an amen? You know, we had less people in the first service, but they were way more excited. Just saying. I might be a first service person. That would be wrong. See, I'm, I'm a tribe and I'm, I'm separating myself now, you know. I'm a first and a second service person. But you can't all be that because we need you to get out and make room in the parking lot. All right. I love this church. I go to small groups and I, I sit with people that are doctors. I sit with people who, who just got out of drug rehab. I, I sit with people who just got out of jail. I sit with somebody who's a lawyer. I sit with somebody who's, who's having a bad day. I sit with somebody who's working through a sickness. I work through somebody who just got healed. I'm sitting across from people going through all manner of experience in life. People from South America, people from Africa, people actually born in Canada. God bless them. But I'm sitting in a group where you look at this group and you go like, why are they hanging out together? What is this connection all about? See, people all pull to their own tribes and they pull back to their own circles. But in the body of Christ, it's the wonderful, beautiful, multifaceted expression of all of God's creation. And that should be the most beautiful expression that the world sees and says, now that kind of community, I want some of that. And, and... People get healed, delivered, set free, and the power happens as well. But the power without the love would be a horrible thing. All right, I got to move on. Say, move on, Pastor. All right, impact people are committed to living in authentic community. Amen. You cannot fulfill the purpose of God outside of community. You can know God. You can get to heaven. You can do all that. But you'll never manifest the full you. You'll never be everything God called you to be if you're not in community. So I want to turn to my, my, one of my favorite books of the Bible. I call it the salad book. The salad book. Do you know what the salad book is? Well, it's the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of salad in Hebrews because in Hebrews there's a lot of let us. A lot of lettuce in Hebrews, amen? That was kind of funny, come on. Lettuce, lettuce, you know, lettuce, romaine and iceberg. and Well, there's some lettuce, and it's us. It's not let me, it's let us. Let us, Hebrews 10, 21 to 25, New Living Translation. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us. 
Let us. Let us. I just got to do something. Sorry about that. I can't see the clock. And if I can't see the clock, what happens is Cheryl starts waving frantically at the back. Oh, I can see you. You're there. How come you're not up here? It's nice to see you back there. Oh, I'll keep going. Yeah. And since we have a great high priest who rules over the house of God, let us go right into the presence. Who, who goes in? I go into the presence of God. doesn't say that. It says, let us go into the presence of God. It, it's not supposed to be an individual pursuit. It's supposed to come on, let us. You know, that's why God, when he created the Ark of the Covenant, where the mercy came, where, where he spoke, where the propitiation of sin was, it was between two faces. He put two cherubim looking at each other, praising God in front of each other. He shows up in the praises of his people, where we speak to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. God shows up when us goes into the presence of God, boldly understanding that we've been set free. There's something powerful when we worship. There's something powerful when we worship together. Something happens that's more dynamic than anything you could do on your own. Let us, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with the blood of Christ and it's clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering the hope we affirm for God can be trusted. Let us together keep the promises of God and call them into manifestation. Let us think. Say think. Think. Let us think. Such a strange thing for charismatics. Let us think. One of the least used things in the world, a charismatic brain. Think. Sorry. I love charismatics. I am one. I'm very, I love charismania. I am a, I'm a charismaniac. Mach 10, fire breathing. Mach 10 in the stratosphere. But you know what it says? Let us think. You know, the first kingdom word was repent, which is think again. Think about this new information. Think about the fact that I'm telling you my reign and my rules within your reach. Think. So we're supposed to think of ways that we can motivate, provoke, incite. That's what the word means. When's the last time you thought of ways? I want to think of ways that I can incite the pastor, that I can put a fire under him for some good works. I need to go home and write a list and email him. I just thought of some things you could do to get a little more motivated in the call of God in your life. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to think of ways to provoke each other to acts of love and good works. You know, pastor, I think you should be doing a little more of this. And don't say dieting. I'll delete that email. Boom. All right. Let us think. Let us think of ways to motivate each other. Let us another, and let us not neglect meeting together. And some are already in the habit of doing. It's terrible. Some people, yeah, I come a couple Sundays a month, maybe one, you know. But you know, this is my church. Praise the Lord. Let us not neglect meeting together. Some do or in the, some, let us encourage one another. Come on, let us encourage one another. Don't be once a monthers. Don't be twice a monthers. Come on, let me encourage you. This is important for you. It's important for me. I love you. I want to see more of you. This is so good. There's something special happens in my life when I engage with you. Don't hold out on me. Who's in a small group? Provoke somebody who isn't. You need to be in a small group. I'm good enough. Praise Jesus. Okay, so especially now as we see the day approaching, let us, let's talk about let us quickly. You ready? Number one, let us together we approach. Together we approach. Approaching God in his presence is an us and a together thing. Let us go right into the presence of God. I love that. It says in Revelation 5, 9, your blood ransomed people 
for God from every tribe and language and people of every nation. Let us. Let us. It's the most inclusive group that is in the world today. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Let us. Together we approach. Together we celebrate. Together we go into the presence of God. Acts 20, 20, it says, I held nothing back from you. I proclaimed everything publicly and from house to house. That's why small groups are good. You're not fulfilling the, the, the gathering element if all you do is stare at somebody's, the back of somebody's head on Sunday. Look right in front of you. Look at the back of that head. How is it? You should tell them, yeah, that bald spot's getting bigger. (laughs) I sit in the same spot every week and I'm looking at you and oh my goodness. You know, you're not completing the dynamic of your growth and discipleship if you're not sitting in circles and looking at people and interacting with them dynamically. You need to be doing that. And let us approach together. We approach, I had a dream. Last night I had a dream. I had a dream. It was Mike Matheson and I were both on our way to heaven and we were going up and I said, Mike, I think Jesus looks a lot like me. A lot more like me. And, and Mike was like, no, I think, I think people from Nazareth are a little more dark-skinned there, Pastor. So I think he'd look a little more like me. And Mike, if you don't know Mike, Mike was our bass player today. You know, so, so we're going up. I said, I don't know, Mike. I think you look a lot, lot more like me. And he said, no, Pastor, man, I'm telling you, you got to know. He was more like me. He was one of us. I'm like, ah, man. So we got there. All of a sudden, the door opened and said, Buenos dias, compañeros. Mi casa su casa. <laughs> Don't you love the diversity? Many of you just didn't even get that, did you? You know, we were both wrong. I mean, but hey, you know, I love that we are a community that is diverse and full of all kinds. So together we approach. Number two, together we stand. It says, let us tightly hold unwaveringly to the hope that we affirm. Let us together lay a hold of his faithfulness for the promises. We had Dave, uh, Dave uh, Rodals was here for the service. Last week his football team won and he got too excited and he had to go to hospital and they found out he had several 95% blockages in his heart. He had five stints put in. One of them was very long. They were thinking maybe we need to do bypass. But, you know, they they put in five stints. And he was here in church this morning. Why? Because let us is important. But, you know, right away, I'm in Toronto. And I get a text from Jeff. And Jeff said, Bonnie called. And they've just taken David to the hospital. He's having some chest pain. And I said, I'm praying right now. Do you want me to get more people to pray? He said, I'm not sure yet. I'll let you know. But I just wanted you to know. And I said, I'm praying right now. Jeff talked to me about Dave and Bonnie. And Dave and Bonnie and Jeff and I began to lay a hold of the faithfulness of God together. And they were like, wow, dude. Your heart was pretty messed up. This is pretty amazing we've been able to do this. But they, they opened things up. They did things for David. And he showed up today, and he's here lifting his hands, praising the Lord. And you can barely even see this little mark where they went in a vein right here and did all of that heart apparatus stuff. But, you know, right at that place, it's a really good thing to know that when you're going through something, you can immediately just send a text and say, hashtag my pastor's awesome. And you hit that. And boom, right away you got people that are laying hold of the faithfulness of God together. Which is another thing. Werner Duver just lost his mom. I think it was the night before last or yesterday. And so send Werner a text. Send, send Kristen a text. Hey, we love you guys. Sorry for that loss. But isn't it great that you got a community that really cares about you? And together, in whatever life is going on, you got people who sincerely and authentically love you. And together, we tightly lay hold of holding on as a group activity. 
Holding on is a group activity. Holding on to the promises and the faithfulness of God. I had a dog, a Rottweiler named Bo. And Beauregard was an interesting dog. I loved him so much, though, even though he was so annoying. But when you play catch with Bo, you had to have three balls because you'd throw one, he'd come back with it, and he would stand there, and then you could not get it out of his mouth. 5,000 pounds per square inch of, and he'd just look at you like, I got the ball. I go, I can't throw it if you've got it. But he wouldn't give it back to you, so you had to pull another ball out, throw that, and when you threw that, he dropped that one. <laughs> and then he'd come back, and he wouldn't give you that one, so you had to throw that one. And then if you threw one over the fence, that's why you had to have the third one. So, but you know, I think about Bo, and he, he, his grip on things. He just would not let go. You know, we got to get a grip on the faithfulness of God, a grip on the promises of God where we won't let go. And we won't let go together. We're so much better together. Intentionally, on purpose, together. So together we approach and together we stand. And then together we act. I mean, look at this. Let us think of ways to motivate each other. Huh? Think of ways to provoke each other. Think of ways to move each other. I mean, real relationships are messy. Can I get an amen? They're good and they're messy. Relationships are good and messy. Proverbs 27 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Ouch! Well, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. Man, I'm going to hang out with the other people. Who's the other people? Oh, come here. But the kisses of an enemy are de deceitful. Oh, come here, you poor thing. And you see, they'll, they'll buy into your nonsense. But then they'll chat about you while they're having fellowship with somebody else. But you know, a friend is going to wound you and stay there with you and partner with you. And you know what? If this doesn't get attended, it's going to really do some serious damage in your life. When's the last time you got really wounded by a friend? It's sad when you have a whole world where I only hang out with those who agree with me. That's rough. We all think the same. And that's sad. People run to their little huddles and they all stay the same. You know what? It's, it's okay. Give you another verse. Here's the verse. That's why smacking those, I might have ruined those knives. But it says, as iron sharpens iron. Iron, how? As, like iron, that was iron. I, I'm trying to find that long thing that you sharpen on. I couldn't find it. You know, we don't have those anymore. We have these things. You put the blade in and you, but there's iron in there and it sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, it says, so a man sharpens the countenance of a friend. Sharpens the countenance of a friend. So how do you sharpen the countenance of a friend? Just like iron sharpens iron. Just like a hammer on an anvil. Wow, I'm looking for some relationships like that. You should have some. You should have some people that love you enough to tell you you have lettuce on your teeth. Pastor, you preached the whole sermon with your fly down. Well, why didn't somebody say something? But people are willing to get in life and say, hey, I love you. But some stuff is showing that I don't think you want to show. And I want to help you with that. You need people in your life that can do that. If you won't allow people to do that, then you are a hurting unit. You got too much pride. You're not teachable. But you need to have that. So it says countenance. And that word countenance is the word that talks for face, before and behind, toward, to front, and to forward. So three things it deals with. That person is going to sharpen how you look. Look around. How do you look? Like if somebody walks in and they come to the house of God, it says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. So if they need a, an adjustment, you just came into the house of God. You need to cheer up. Rejoice. Well, I don't feel like rejoicing. It's not about feelings. It's about the goodness of God. 
Rejoice. You need people that are willing to, hey, you ain't looking so good. Well, you know, I just had this going. Well, you're not looking at that right. I want to help you deal with how you're looking at things. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, let's reframe it a little bit. Let's help you because I want to sharpen your countenance today. Because how you look and how you're looking at things needs an adjustment. And then how you look and how you're looking at things and how you're looking at your future. Because if you get stuck in that little self-pity party, you're never going to move ahead to be everything God wanted you to be. And I love you too much to let you stay there. So, you know, relationships are good and messy. Can I get an amen? Good and messy. Last one. Last one. Last let us. Let us. Let us not neglect meeting together. Amen. Let us not neglect meeting together. Going to church on the internet is not church. It might be something you saw, but to really have that mirroring, that thing where you interact and something is touched in your life, it can't happen on a screen. It has to happen with real people. And to really have somebody who can be iron on iron, you can't have that experience through uh, an internet relationship. It's not real. And if you want to be fake, you may, you know, pursue fake interactions. But real interactions are face-to-face -face and real things. And it's where people gather together intentionally on purpose. Amen. Quite honestly, because you know what? Cheryl and I had a nasty fight last week. And I said, stop for a second, honey. Let me take a selfie. <laughs> Hashtag wife is terrible. How many have seen me put those posts up? You haven't seen them because I don't do it. The post I put up is, hey, I'm on the beach again. <laughs> awesome to be me. Hashtag special. You know, on Facebook, you get the edited versions of people's lives. It's not real. It's nonsense. That's why some of you have unfriended me because my life is so awesome. Literally, it says that because people put these edited versions in themselves, the Facebook has caused people to be depressed because they keep on seeing their friends having a good time and they go like, my life isn't great. Well, honestly, they're only showing you the good parts of their life. The rest of it is pretty miserable. The other day, I woke up and I took a picture of myself as soon as I woke up. I grabbed my phone and I went, click. And I thought, I'm going to every day put a picture of my worst moment of the day because my hair was combed by a pillow. I had a crease on my face from a sheet. I had drooled out my mouth. And I was like, sleep in the corner of my eye. And I went, I can't do it. That is an ugly picture. <laughs> we told the staff we're going to be taking some photos today. And actually, the person taking photos is my son. And he's a trained photographer. And, and uh, so, the, you know, whenever we say we're doing a video or doing something, that, Kelly, is Kelly here? Kelly's like, just a minute. And she runs a little bit of makeup, lipstick. <laughs> okay, we're ready now. <laughs> and then Kelly's like, never post anything unless I approve. You know, so I'm like, you know, like, who else is like that? All heads closed. <laughs> heads closed, eyes bowed. <laughs> heads closed. <laughs> heads closed. <laughs> hey, come on. Let us hang out together. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But hey, let's always together approach and do it. You know the best time to come to church is when you don't feel like it. You know the best time to gather is when, ah, ah, that's the best time to come. You know, in my dad's church, when you were a kid, when you were sick, you didn't not come to church. You called the elders to come heal you so you could come to church. And so my dad said every, every week it'd be like, oh, there go the elders. They're running out with a jar of oil. And then sure enough, they would come back with the sick person. Because if you're sick, call the elders, they'll pray the prayer of faith, and they'll bring you to church. See, you didn't miss church, you got healed. Because if you're sick, deal with it. I'm not coming today, I'm sick. I don't want to give it to everybody else. Don't give it to me, just get healed for goodness sake. Huh? Amen. Come on, I had a right on from over there. I had a what over here? What do we got? 
Got a woo over here. Got a what do we got over here? We got a yagger. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Last slide. You ready? Because we are committed to authentic community, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. I don't matter where you've been, what you've done. Like we say on our webpage, you know, if you just lost all your money at the track on the ponies and took a rock turn and don't even know why you're here, you're welcome. Everybody's welcome. Because we're serious about authentic community. Just be yourself. Number two, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I am perfect in Christ Jesus. But, but sometimes I do dumb stuff. Don't, don't stop gathering because you feel like you've had a bad day or a bad week. I, it drives me nuts, these people who think they had a bad week serving God, so I'm going to stay away from church for a while because I'm not my best part of me. That's the best time to come. Bring your sorry self to church. Bring your sorry self and your Bible. It's good. And the last thing is anything is possible in community. Anything is possible. And it's in community where Simon's become Peter. It's in community where that reed blowing in the wind becomes a rock. And it understands, look to the rock from which you're hewn and realize it's not about you. It's not about what you're doing. It's about what he has done. And let us come together and let us celebrate and let us come and let us see yourself here. You'll see yourself in community. You'll see yourself wherever he plants you. You'll see yourself in the body of Christ and you'll realize the absolute best version of you.